question this morning brings to mind so many fond stories of childhood, of growing up, so many different stories, books and movies that we have heard where the protagonist of the story doesn't seem like much at the beginning, but as we get to know them and understand their true character, we become enamored by who they become. I think of Frodo Baggins from The Lord of the Rings when he's first met by the elves in the elven village and they question, really, this hobbit, he's it? He's the one who's supposed to bear the ring all the way to Mordor? If you hang around my family, you'll know that there's a certain superhero that is very much beloved in Captain America. But in his own story, we first meet a scrawny, powerless, weak little runt of a man named Steve Rogers. We learn that though his heart is what and how he cares for others is the true root of his strength and the reason that he is selected to become Captain America, the first Avenger. Then we come to the story that is more ancient than either of these this morning, and we hear John the Baptist sending disciples to ask Jesus a similar question. Are you the one? Are you it? Are you or are you not the Messiah? Should I be looking for someone? Should I be expecting someone else? It's interesting to find this question here in the midst of Luke's gospel. Luke has been proclaiming from the very beginning that Jesus is the Messiah. We can remember back to the Christmas story in the second chapter of the gospel of Luke. For unto you this day is born the Savior, who is Christ the King. Or if you go back even a further chapter, we find that John the Baptist knew Jesus and he knew he was the Messiah even before he was born. The very sound of Mary's voice, John leaps in his mother Elizabeth's womb. John has known the identity of Jesus since before he was born. He proclaimed that he was unfit to untie the sandals on Jesus' feet, did not feel worthy to be the one to offer Jesus' baptism. So why now would John question whether or not Jesus is the Messiah? First, we must be reminded of all that we have seen Jesus do in the Scripture up to this point. Jesus has cast out demons. He's cured diseases, cleansed the leper, healed the paralytic, healed the dying servant, and even brought the dead back to life. All of this and the opening verses of our Scripture this morning telling that John's disciples had reported every bit of this to John and he's told them about it the same. It seems odd that this question would arise from John and his disciples to question who Jesus is. Though we're not told as much in Luke's Gospel, when we pair this with the synoptics and especially Matthew's Gospel, we know that John is also probably in prison at this point. He's been arrested by Herod Antipas, the successor and son of his father Herod the Great. And at the request of Herod's bride, John is now on death's row. John's Baptist head is supposed to be served on a silver platter, quite literally. So when we add all of this together, we realize that John is not questioning Jesus' authority as much as John is looking for a political statement for his current situation. John is in jail. He is on death row and he knows that Jesus is the one who is supposed to proclaim release to the captives and let the oppressed go free. John must have been wondering if all of this that has been proclaimed about the Messiah for years is about to become a reality to his current situation. 
John cannot go to Jesus himself because of the imprisonment and death he now faces. So he sends disciples to ask this question as a way to plead for himself that he might experience the kingdom of heaven on earth right now because my situation can't get much worse. I would assume that's probably true if we were sitting on death row about to lose our life. Our situation couldn't get much worse and we would want the kingdom of heaven to come right now. And we may have experienced this or expressed this in our own ways. We look at the climate uh, of the situation of our world at different times throughout history and people who have seen all the goings on and proclaim that wonderful phrase, Come, Lord Jesus, come! We look at all that's going on in the world and we say, Jesus, come. Come on back because our current situation can't get much worse. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We hear it said all the time because we want our physical eyes to see the kingdom of heaven rain down upon us. We want to see brothers and sisters unite in this land. We want to see it be political. We want it to see be, be absolute. We want it to be a real, intangible thing that we could truly have peace with everyone, everywhere, here and now. But it's not happening. So we find ourselves just hoping and wanting and waiting Please, Lord Jesus, come. And then we look to hear Jesus' response to John's disciples. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits, and He gave sight to many who were blind. So He replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus' response is such to tell John, open your eyes, because it is happening. What I have come to do, it is occurring. Don't be blinded because of your own terrible situation. For John and his state could not see the kingdom of heaven because he could only see the kingdom of Herod and above that the kingdom of Rome. And we find ourselves bombarded, overcome and distraught because of the current situations of our life or in our world. It's easy for us to have a response that is similar to John's. To believe that there is no way that this place could be considered the kingdom of heaven. There's no way that here in our current situation could the kingdom of heaven exist. So we say, Lord Jesus, come, make it better. We want something to happen that is better than what we're living in. However, Jesus responds to us to open our blind eyes and look around. Don't look and see only all the terrible things that are happening, but also look and see all of the wonderful things. Look at the places and the times where the kingdom of heaven is really happening right here and right now. Forgiveness is still being offered. Places where reconciliation is still happening. Jesus, after addressing John's disciples, then turns and addresses the crowd in a similar fashion, using the same kind of language about blindness, about asking, about sight. Jesus repeats the questions a couple of times. Who then is John? John didn't come in power and might. He didn't come in rich and finely dressed. John came from a woman and he was greatest among those born. More than a prophet, but the one who was called to prepare the way for someone even greater. 
This greater one, however, would be even lesser, would be least in the kingdom of God. Jesus responds just like this, and at the response of Jesus, the people, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Saying to us that those who had received baptism offered by John, a baptism of repentance, remind you, people who had wanted to repent of the ways of humankind, wanted to repent of the evil within them, wanted to repent and find that God's ways were better, those who were marked as repentant had their eyes opened at the words of Jesus. They understood Jesus' words and believed even more in God's way and God's call to love God and to love person. They could see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, even in the midst of their lowly, persecuted estate. They're the ones who realize that the blessings of God are not in some distant reality, in a distant future that is still to come, but the blessings of God are new every morning. They are here. They are now. All we have to do is realize that Jesus has come. And what a blessing it is to know that Jesus has come. He has brought life into our soul and given us reason to get up and praise the name of Almighty God because the kingdom of heaven is all around us. However, those who had not been baptized, meaning those who had not lived repentant, those who are still blinded, by their own thoughts and failures and sins. Those who were experts in the law, experts in the Scripture, were still blinded by their own minds and their own sins, and they did not believe. This passage and this line of questioning from John's response, John's disciples and Jesus' response, might provoke us to possibly ask some similar questions of our own, like, When do we miss the miraculous signs of God's kingdom happening right in front of us? It's probably quite often, and perhaps it's because our expectations, our imagination of what the kingdom of heaven will really be like might be blinding us to what it really is. We may not be able to see what God is doing in our lives because God is not doing what we want God to be doing. It's a great reminder of what the philosopher Voltaire said in criticism to the church. Though God created humans in the divine image, we have more than returned the favor. You see, it's not our place, it's not our calling to create the kingdom of God or to create God as best we see fit, but to open our eyes to what God is doing and how God is moving and shaping things that we might see the kingdom of heaven and happen right before our eyes. When people are being moved to truly love one another and to share what they have, when the marginalized are being treated with equality and forgiveness of wrongdoings is being offered and received, then we might have our eyes open to realize that yes, Jesus, He is the one. Even when the world thinks He's nothing more than a historical figure, He really is the one who brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. At the close of our passage this morning, we see Jesus tell those who are listening a little parable. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? 
They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread or drinking wine and you said he had a demon and the Son of Man came eating and drinking and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Wisdom is proven right by her children. The beauty of this small parable is the greatest truth that we find in it. When we were children, we had great imaginations. We could see things that were happening or see things we believed were happening all around us. We understood and believed in the miraculous. We were amazed at the things that others could do, amazed at the things God could do. But as we got older, our eyes became glossed over. Our hearts were jaded by times of disappointment and hurt because we forgot how much good we wanted to come out of our lives. We forgot that we wanted to make a difference and life just got in the way. Before we realized it, we didn't dance anymore. We didn't sing anymore. We didn't dream anymore. We just existed and waited and hoped that one day something better would come. Jesus calls us, become like the child that you once were. Don't look at this world the way adults look at it. Don't have that glossed over look, that jaded heart. If you want to see the beauty of the kingdom of heaven, open your eyes and see the one who makes all things new. See the one who has a heart of pure fire, who will and is determined to make the way great to the end of time. Don't let others look at you and say, is that all you've got? Is that all that you are? Is that the best that we can offer? Show them the heart of God. Show them the heart of the one who won't give up. The heart of a Frodo Baggins who will carry that ring into the fire and create a kingdom of peace. The heart of a Steve Rogers who will fight the battles to make his nation great. The heart of Jesus who came to truly release captives and set the oppressed free by making them not bound by their human condition nor by the nature of this world, but alive to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love that is happening all around them as they choose God's way. Theologian William Barclay once said that Christian freedom does not mean being free to do as we like. It means being free to do as we ought. What we ought to do is what Jesus commanded us. Love one another as I have loved you then your eyes might be opened. Then you might truly realize that the one who was is the one who is and the one who is still to come. And he brought with him a kingdom that is of heaven and that is here and that is now.